0: Good evening, wherever you are, and thank you for joining the Just Like the Movies podcast. We are doing a movie that I did not realize how long it had been since I'd seen, and I also did not realize how how much I enjoyed it. And uh, I think I said I alluded to that at the end of our last podcast, but we are doing 1984's classic, The Karate Kid. And before we get into any of the meat of that substance, we got to check in with the main man, Johnny. How you doing, man?
1: Wax on. <laughs> Wax off <laughs> Wax on, wax off Um, no, I'm good, man How are you? What's going on? What's new? It's, uh, it, 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 shitty weather I'll just say that I, It's been icy, it's been sleety, it's been cold as F I've been, uh, pl- been shoveling a lot
0: of snow, yes
1: <laughs> did, it, did it help you learn karate by any chance? <laughs> no <laughs> No, it didn't <laughs> Shovel sidewalk (laughs) You just beat some guy's ass With the motion of shoveling snow
0: But yeah, my favorite was I decided to be nice to the people in my building And I I was like, oh, this walk The snow is like up to the middle of my calf I'll I'll shovel this walkway Because I don't know when the maintenance people are going to get around to it Right when I was almost done The dude came with the snowblower that could knock that job out In like 90 seconds I was like, cool, that was a total waste of manual labor
1: (laughs) Had a bit of a John Henry situation going on (laughs)
0: <laughs> tried to tried to out shovel the snowblower and then died in the process. Oh,
1: Mike Potato! <laughs> uh, what a well, that's right. You probably have a bigger dong than the guy using the snowblower, uh, anyway. All yeah. right, okay. All right. had to had to get it in early th- and often. Th- thanks, <laughs> thank you, thanks for that. Yeah, man, Karate Kid. I I'm with you. I have it. I would, man, maybe 20 years since I actually sat down and watched the first Karate Kid. I'm sure it. it I it passed by me on TV once in a while. And I check in and see where they're at, but to sit down and watch front to back, I I gotta say maybe you know twenty years. Oh yeah,
0: I mean like I I know if either of us tried to pretend like whoa well, I remember seeing it in the theater. We were two years old. We don't remember, but no in my didn't. house I remember this one of those movies that was always on, but it was always on. So that means you never saw the beginning of it. So the beginning was almost like watching an all new movie. Like it was kind, it was vaguely familiar. I, did,
1: I felt the same exact way. Yeah. I forgot what the beginning like if you you know, sometimes they have like they show a shot from a movie and they're like, What movie is this from? I would never guess any of the stuff from the beginning of this movie is karate kid. They're showing this industrial park and all these trucks and this like who knows what they're getting you know into while they're still in New Jersey. Like I, I forgot the entire New Jersey part. Basically, yeah, because like before traveling to California. Yeah,
0: the first like eight or ten minutes of the movie is is, is basically just like a road trip montage shows them going from yeah. New Jersey to California. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, ple- real pleasant surprise. I mean, I- I'm gonna we're we're gonna try to you know keep the discussion around just this movie. But I mean, I enjoyed it so much that I I just cleaned watched the other two movies right after. Like just did 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 the whole trilogy in one sitting. Yeah.
1: All right. Pretty cool. How did how did it round out for you? I know we're gonna not gonna touch too heavily on the sequels, as you say, but just curious what your thoughts were overall.
0: Um they they were really good. I mean, I the third one obviously has its problems and I was like I was doing a little research about it about why that was, like why they put the worst love interest in history in it. It was basically because Ralph Macchio had just gotten married. And he didn't want to do, like, a mm. like a romantic subplot type of thing. Plus, the girl in the movie was, like, 17. And I think Ralph Macchio was 28 or 29 at the time. So he thought that was a little creepy. A uh, lot of rewrites yeah. on the fly. Um, the director told uh, Thomas Ian Griffith that this was, like, his first major movie. He told him to go real big with his performance. Which they kind of retconned in Cobra Kai by saying he was on coke all the time. Which I thought was pretty smart.
1: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> But I actually really liked that Go ahead Well I was going to say the second one is really um, Hardly any connectivity To the original Because they go to Japan and follow Miyagi's roots And like they kind of do the End of Karate Kid at the beginning of it And that's pretty much where it separates right?
0: Yeah but like It it, it picks up right where it left off So it's not like a lot of time passes It's just that Miyagi gets this letter from Okinawa that his dad's dying and then Daniel, because you know, to kind of because of like how they that relationship they've built up, he's like, "You're always there for me. I want to be there for you." And he ends up having this really cool experience going to o- Okinawa and stuff. Which, when I was a kid, I remember I liked that one the least because it felt the least connected to the to the movies. But then critics thought the third one was too derivative of the first one. So I mean, I guess, I mean, revisiting it, the second one definitely has a lot to offer for sure.
1: Yeah, I never think of the Karate Kid as like a trilogy. I I, I definitely think of it as a movie that has sequels. Um, oh, that's interesting. It's like, an interesting distinction. Yeah, because i would never be like, "Oh, buy the Karate Kid trilogy on DVD." It'd be like, I, I don't know, you know. <laughs> but um, and you know, maybe that's my fault for not rewatching the the sequels. But that wasn't our homework. It was You did extra credit. Uh, so good for you, you you kiss ass. Yeah, I watched the were making of too. Yeah, so there's also a video. I don't know if you caught this. There's like pretty much a full video on YouTube of essentially the entire movie's rehearsal.
0: Yeah, I saw that. that That's pretty cool. I didn't. I didn't watch the whole thing. What, did you get anything it's, from it? Or
1: yeah, it's it's wild. Like I watched most of the stuff. I watched is the like the beach scenes where he's trying to flirt with Allie and Johnny and the crew come and they fight a bit and. It feels very like you and your friends have a home video camera and you try to make a movie in your backyard in a good way, though, because uh, it just makes the movie feel very accessible and makes you feel like know memories. Because I used to love doing that stuff where, you know, uh, let's let's try to film this scene or redo the scene for this movie we like in the backyard with the old video cameras and stuff. So it brought back those kind of cool memories and it just felt very um like you can do this too sort of thing and i have a lot like this movie turned up a lot of memories from my youth um from like the i remember having some of the action figures which in retrospect looking at them and looking them up now on ebay and stuff they kind of were cheesy but i remember really liking them and you know using the the accessories that came with it that you could chop and break and that, <laughs> the, the ice blocks it came with the ice blocks and all that stuff and but also like moving to connecticut when i was 11 getting the shit beat out of me and like you know, when I moved here, I felt older than I was. But looking back, like, when I look back at an 11-year-old now, I'm like, that's still a really little kid now in, like, retrospect. And it just, like, I think that sort of related with me. Uh, like, my mom tried to sign me up for, like, Taekwondo when I lasted two classes, and I was like, I hate this shit. I just want a black belt. <laughs> how, how do I – and this is before The Matrix, where I could just learn Kung Fu and stuff and get plugged in. I, I didn't have the discipline to want to learn. I wanted to know – I basically like how kids are today. I just wanted I wanted the high, the, the easy highway to the black belt, uh, so it wasn't to be. But needless to say, it it is a relatable movie for that for that. And um, a lot of things that I learned in researching this movie and watching this movie was how it really is a spiritual successor to Rocky or a oh, cousin yeah to Rocky dude.
0: yeah I mean yeah. same director same. Same composer. It has like the whole feel good underdog thing. Like Sylvester Stallone even made a comment about it, how it like ripped him off. But um, you know, <laughs> even just, the
1: song was supposed to be in Rocky
0: Three. Yeah, yeah. You're the best by Joe Esposito. That was supposed to be in Rocky Three, and then they ended up using Eye of the Tiger instead, which I, right. you know, hindsight being what it is, I think it's a much better fit. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That we just know it that way. I mean, it, I thought it was interesting. I mean, this movie. um Kind of came to be because uh, the producer, Jerry Weintraub, optioned a news article about a kid who was like he was being raised by a single mother and he got a black belt because he was getting bullied in school. And then Mm -hmm. the writer they brought on, um, Robert Mark Kamen, he had a similar story. He got his ass beat after the World's Fair in 1964 and when he was 17 years old by a group of guys, and that made him decide to do martial arts. And his first instructor was a lot like John Kreese. He was an ex-Marine. He was very stern, and he didn't like studying with him. So then he found another instructor who was more like Mr. Miyagi. Like he was very understated, but obviously skilled. And uh, he used that experience to kind of inform his writing of the movie, which I I found fascinating. And he also, um, while I was watching the making of, that he he actually he had never been to uh, the Valley uh the sand the beautiful san fernando san fernando valley in southern california which i've i haven't been there either i did a little research because i wanted to i had no idea all the layout and stuff like where's recito where's encino i was i wanted right. to find out where mr miyagi lived because he lived by oil fields and he said he lived by the <laughs> wrong side of the tracks and a little googling i'm like maybe he lived in inglewood which is like 20 miles away from Reseda but i'm not sure anyway but uh I just thought it was cool like that effort that went into kind of creating an authentic atmosphere and all that stuff. And, um, so that, that's, I, I, wanted to get that out cause I thought it was interesting cause a lot of the, a lot of the strength of this movie comes from the writing. And when you, when you learn yeah. that the, the, uh, the guy who wrote, who contributed to the screenplay had this kind of life experience and not only that, but then when he was involved in the casting process and they, they, you know settled on Ralph Macchio Not settled but they decided on Ralph Macchio And then he said that he liked him because he was obnoxious But he was sweet And they were looking for somebody who was a wimp With a chip on his shoulder So that must have been how the writer saw himself When he was a kid I mean that's an interesting you know Group of words to describe yourself
1: But Yeah it's also fair in a way Because I, I kind of liked that and I didn't remember it this way at all but I kind of liked how Daniel sort of instigated some of his own quarrels a little bit um, more than I remembered as a kid I, I just remembered him being straight bullied and then you know you watch Cobra Kai which you know will definitely come up several times in this podcast just naturally because it's a white hot show right now and uh, really revisits these characters in a nice way with uh, some very well done nostalgia and fan service if you will but Uh, They kind of do flip the script on that show And it does, you do kind of in the rewatch Look back and say, you know, Daniel Was a little bit of a punk And I know those guys were the bad guys And he probably was trying to stand up for himself But I think some of his choices Well let me ask ask,
0: So do you subscribe to the I know how much you love Fan Theory Corner It's one of your favorite places to go Do you subscribe (laughs) to the fan theory That Daniel LaRusso Was the bully and John, Johnny Lawrence was just using his martial arts To defend himself and de-escalate No Oh, okay, yeah See, to me, that's a bridge too far, too Because, like, why? How, why the, how do you explain the scene Where they just, like, push him off the side of a ravine And they don't really right. care what no. happens
1: to him No, they were the aggressors, for sure But uh, some of his ways in getting back at them Like, you almost feel like it could have been like Alright, we're done now And he kept, like, poking the bear yeah, and that, uh, and
0: that's kind of an interesting foible that they carry forward in the show where, you know, he's this awesome guy and he's the successful businessman. He's always doing these favors for people, but he's also proud and he's kind of a hothead. And that's stuff that's very yeah. consistent with him even when he was in high school. Uh, it's yeah. just It's just amazing like when I was watching this, because I, I wasn't familiar at all with just how many callbacks they loaded into that show to the movies. And, like, the Chicago song from Karate Kid 2, the Bananarama song, Cruel Summer, that was kind of, like, the theme for Season 2. And oh, yeah. And it's, like, and then you realize that the guy, the two of the three writers are guys who wrote the Harold and Kumar movies, which those movies were funny, but, like, I I don't know. It's just I, I didn't expect so much thoughtful, intricate kind of... Um, References well, to the original that, material Woven throughout that TV show And it's crazy how many of them there are
1: That's kind of like the trend that's happening In a lot of IPs now um, Intellectual properties Is people who <laughs> yeah, I did not want to say it um, Such a fucking expert man I know my acronyms man um, But like the people who were kids Watching this stuff are now the Like grown up and if they're in the industry They want to you know revisit this stuff and they know it you know, fan like it's notoriously known and I say notorious cuz sometimes it can get a little too much that fans know this stuff better than the people who did it um and that's what we have here you know we have a fan of the karate kid who's now in the industry and he's like I want to make I want to play with these action figures I want to play with these characters and make a story um and that's what we have here with the with and you you feel the um, genuineness to Cobra Kai because of it and that sort of thing. So, uh, and that's happened in a lot of different, uh, genres and IPs and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of cool that that we're sort of in that age where people who were little kids or young, you know, teens in the eighties are now, uh, revisiting this stuff and, and giving it, uh, proper nods.
0: Yeah. I, I also wanted to mention, you mentioned the Rocky connection. When you watch the sequels, it's just funny, because, like especially the Rocky sequels. Like Rocky Four is like only fifty minutes of new footage. The rest of it is just montages from the previous three movies, and they kind of do it's the a same
1: quick movie, yeah, yeah.
0: And this, and they kind of do the same thing, not 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 to that extent. But in the Karate Kid sequels, there's a lot of flashbacks, a lot of um, footage from the original movies that kind of get you caught up because the you mentioned the scene at the beginning of two, that was where John Kreese gets beat up by Miyagi. That was supposed to be how how the first movie ended, and then the kids right. all like abandon him and drop their belts, and that was gonna yeah. be like his fall from grace or whatever. All his students kind of abandoning him at once. You just can't think too hard about the economics of running a martial arts studio like that. But I, you know.
1: Yeah, and how about uh, the head of hair on Martin Cove and how that's held up over the years? He's got the same exact. He probably dies it now, maybe, yeah, but. It's uh good good for him. Good for Martin Cove. <laughs> um cuz he would always pop up in like skits and commercials and stuff and you're like that's the guy from Karate Kid and look he like he hardly he's hardly aged. He looks like the same guy. Oh, yeah, I mean you can and definitely tell
0: he... he's had some work done to his face, but like yeah, he still looks for being 75 years old. Yeah. Very well. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. And and the same goes for the other guys. You know, uh Ralph Macho, like the one of the biggest things about the Karate Kid is that he was like 22, 23 playing a 17 year old and people didn't believe him they didn't didn't believe he was that old right and 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 the funny thing about it is the the age disparities in real life like between him and his mother like she's only like 13 years older than him in real life and i know you know there are situations where young girls have kids and stuff like that i get that Uh, but when you watch that movie it looks like a full generation gap there uh, and but it's but it's really not and you know and then you look at him and Miyagi and you feel like oh that especially as a kid watching it like this guy's as old as dirt how old is this guy and he was in his like 50s at the time but he even he's only like 28 29 years older than Ralph Macchio mm-hmm. and you just and it's just like he had he had a very young look he even I, I'm not even positive Like he may have been like One of those like Really late puberty people Cause even his voice Didn't sound like a man It was like He seemed like a kid
0: Yeah Yeah real skinny And then like William Zabka was only 18 When they made this movie Yeah He'd done a few commercials yeah. Or whatever And then he kind of got Typecast as the uh, The school bully Because he kind of Played the same role In Back to School When he was in that With Roddy Dangerfield Right, um, right. But uh, And then
1: like everybody under the sun was like any 80s actor possible a young 80s actor was up for this role the, for for Daniel LaRusso it's, it's amazing
0: yeah I did you did you want to run down the whole list because I mean the, I mean some of them were only considered but I know there were two <laughs> big names that turned it down
1: well you could say the whole cast of uh the outsiders <laughs> so you just say that right there mm-hmm. um so you know like uh uh, Tom Cruise, Emilio Estevez, uh, Thomas C. Howell All those guys I don't think Swayze I think he was too old But um, And then Sean Penn uh, Tom Cruise I said right uh, I know there's other big ones that I'm missing But it's really uh, Charlie Sheen mm-hmm. Just like dropping a crane kick and saying Winning <laughs> That'd be great That would be fucking great. They should just have Sheen do like a Karate Kid skit. What the hell? Why not? But I don't know. I don't uh, know. I'm missing some. I'm sure. I don't know
0: how his health is these days, man.
1: Oh, because of HIV. (laughs) It's 2022,
0: bro. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's it's finally funny. We'll just make him a quilt or something. He'll be fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I saw. I saw. Who did I see next to? um, Oh, it was at the. It was at the Rams game. NFC Championship um, By the way, my apologies For your uh, Chiefs losing Oh dude, that was
0: that, that was that fucking brutal The only thing worse than watching them lose Was watching Cleveland sports fans Bandwagon off the Cincinnati Bengals
1: That is obnoxious it's, if that happens That's a disgrace It is, that is like rooting
0: for, I don't care Rooting for a division rival Because they technically play in the same state as you It's like Cincinnati is basically Kentucky Like, it's, it's Barely Ohio it's four. It's like four and a half hours from here. You're. It, it'd be like you rooting for the Eagles for some reason.
1: Oh, <laughs> sickening! I just
0: sickening. Like like people wearing brand spanking new like Bengals gear at the bar and like cheering like they've been cheering for them for years. It may be, it made me oh, so. god! You people don't deserve success.
1: <laughs> now I l- I'll admit I like Joe Burrow. But I'm not dude, sitting J- here pretending I'm a Bengals fan Yeah, dude, Joe Bengals, Burrow's a
0: G But, like, I'm not gonna root for him against the Chiefs Or even the Browns, for that matter I don't know why people were doing it at the bar I was at At other yeah, places Yeah, no, s- I'm with you I've been seeing it I'm more you, and Matt. more Because I, I always have to go out to watch NFL games And it's like, I just don't I'm like, where did all these Bengals friends come from?
1: Like, yeah, I didn't see them well, last like- year uh, it's like all those people that all of a sudden became Tampa Bay Bucks fans that now have to go sell their jerseys on eBay. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> I didn't think he would hang it up. That was uh, that was surprising. I thought he'd play at least one more
1: year. Yeah, it's just it's about time. Anyway, geez. whoa. Um. Yeah, so so my point being, uh, it was Magic Johnson was at SoFi Stadium and he was next to somebody else who doesn't have HIV and he looked. Way well more well fed and healthier <laughs> and stuff. It's just like Freddie Mercury were just two decades behind, man. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. That's um but yeah,
0: anyway, back to uh back to the batters at hand, the karate kid film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the two big ones I saw that turned it down were Sean Penn and Charlie Sheet, and then Sean Penn made a comment. And because Sean Penn has that kind of reputation or image I don't know if this is a dig or not, or him just being so pretentious. He was like, I think Ralph Macchio is one of the greatest living American actors. It's like, is that is he saying that like being sarcastic? Or does he actually mean that because he took some part that he didn't want and did a really good job with it? I don't, I don't
1: know. I don't know. You'd have to check the context on that, because I also know Sean Penn is no fan of media or paparazzi, so for all we know, uh, that quote has been... Twisted and turned and, and put into a context that we don't we'll never understand, and he he probably doesn't even remember saying it. So even if he could recall it, he wouldn't even know what uh, Tony put that in. But then again, you know you're talking about something somebody said almost 40 years ago. So, but a lot of people were up for it. That's the bottom. That's the bottom line. And then the other rumor, um, which was confirmed uh, not to be true, was that Chuck Norris was offered the role of John Creese. He was not, never offered the role, but they were looking to him as mm-hmm. an option. And he said, had I been offered the role, I probably would have turned it down. Um, which I also find hard to believe because then you look at 1992 and he does a movie Sidekicks with Jonathan Brandis, which is basically just a like a shitty karate kid. It's so
0: funny you brought that up because um, Mako, I think I'm saying that right, um, he's oh, it's, it's Machio. Machio, no Mako. The guy who pl- he was the guy <laughs> he was like the Mr. Miyagi knockoff and sidekicks. He <laughs> oh, was yeah, yeah. he was actually considered to play Mr. Miyagi, but he couldn't do it because he was doing Conan the Destroyer. And
1: ah, well, there you go. And
0: then the guy, another guy that they really wanted for the Miyagi, they didn't want Pat Morita at all because Pat Morita was like nobody really took him seriously because he came from a comedy background. He was on Happy Days. He was in this really. That's sh- it. He was in this really shitty movie with Jay Leno called Collision Course where they both played detectives.
1: <laughs>
0: and and uh that's the kind of stuff you listen to this podcast for,
1: folks. Uh but <laughs> uh I uh, yeah, I don't even fucking know what you're talking about. So I have to look that one up. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah. they brought him in and he um
0: they kind of they kind of softened on him when he because they wanted the, they wanted uh, Toshira Mafuni I'm, again, I'm probably not saying that right because I'm not a great Japanese speaker. But for people who don't know who he is, he's the lead in basically all the Kurosawa movies that you have to pretend to like because they're so great. But like every time I watch them, I fall asleep just slightly less than when I'm watching golf because they're mm. just so slow and there's a lot of static shots and there's black and white and it, a lot of it like like if you watch the, uh, Rashomon. Rashomon is this movie that has all these really important themes about the subjectivity of truth and how people, like, the fallibility of memory. But they're going over this story, and it's raining the whole time. And it's just, it's a snooze fest. It's like every ten minutes I was falling asleep. I think the only movie I fell asleep in more regular intervals during was The t- the Two Towers. <laughs> but Amen, dude. But anyway, uh, Toshiro Mufune, who, if, if you don't know who he is, that's who he is, and he was the like the front runner for this part but he spoke v- to my understanding very limited english which doesn't stop people from doing movies like antonio banderas the first movie he was in mambo kings he didn't speak any english they wrote out his right. lines phonetically for him so it's not like that's a right. barrier from And i think
1: even even when he did philadelphia he still didn't speak english but he knew how to memorize his lines in english or whatever
0: Yeah you know Yeah and uh but he was also very serious which, which was kind of ironic, I guess, because what w- one of the strikes against Pat Morita was that he was from a comedy background. But then Ralph Macchio said during the making of that a lot of that comedic timing, but William Zabka same, said the same thing. He said that uh, Pat Morita's co- comedic timing actually came in handy a lot of the times for some of those exchanges and all that stuff. And then, you know, it's just funny that he was in the role and he he used this he was the uh, dual inspiration of his uncle and his stunt double because Pat Morita didn't know karate. Pretty much all the karate that he does is done by this guy named uh, Fumio DeMira, I think. And, uh, yes, yeah. And uh, he kind of based his performance and voice off, that, off those two things. He gave him... Because Pat Morita speaks perfect English. He doesn't really have an accent or anything, but... Yeah, he's
1: born in America. Yeah.
0: And... Uh, I just, I thought that was like, you know, because I it was like this little man. And yeah. actually, the the stunt double they got, the, this uh, Demura guy, he was such a badass that the scene where Ralph Macchio's getting beat up by all of them on Halloween, and that was the big scene where Miyagi jumps out and saves him, that was, yep. that was his stunt double, and they were complaining because he was hitting them too hard. So they were doing all these takes, <laughs> right. And, and he just said, if you just let my students do this, we'll do it in one take. And so he just brought his students in, and he was roughing them up in that scene. So that, was that even uh, even the guys who had martial arts experience, because William Zabka didn't have any martial arts experience. He was a wrestler, but yeah, uh, yeah. the guy who played Bobby, who was like technically the nice one, I guess, he was the one who told him to stop beating him up, like he had enough. And he's the one, if you watch Cobra Kai, he's the
1: one who ends up being a pastor. Uh, and he's the one who, after he hurts Daniel, he apologizes to him, right? Yeah, That's him. yeah. he yeah. actually
0: had a black belt In jiu-jitsu, and they let yeah. him Choreograph his own fight, so I was thinking about it, I, I didn't know any of this information It kind of made sense that they didn't do Like a full-blown fight scene with him Because the skill disparity between him and Ralph Macchio probably would have been pretty apparent On film Yeah. Uh, Chad, Chad McQueen, also, <clears throat> who played Dutch And he's Steve McQueen's Only son he, Right. Yeah. He he was actually a martial arts practitioner as well I remember he was in some pretty bad Direct-to-video action movies Like he was in this one called Martial Law With David Carradine as the villain And David... And that was back... You know, this was peak... Like, one of the things this movie did Was make karate kind of like a like a na- nationwide craze Like, you mentioned even you took some karate classes I didn't know that uh, Taekwondo Yeah, Taekwondo yeah. Um, I mean, I took... I, took- I
1: earned a, I earned a, a white belt <laughs>
0: you, you, you earn a white, they just give that to you when you show up
1: <laughs> Oh, then I earned nothing
0: <laughs> I mean, I earned a couple belts, but that's a very Americanized part of the martial arts system, supposedly Like a lot of a lot of the, you know, they, like they have Tang Sudo and then they have American Tang Sudo Which is um, the martial art that John Kreese studied and turned mm-hmm. into Cobra, his style was Cobra Kai when he founded his dojo. <laughs> but um, in any event, the, <laughs> the 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 whole like uh, karate craze with uh, this like this movie just made people want to study it. Like it, it kind of blew up. And uh, I was gonna say something else related to that, but I, I just kind of lost it. So I apologize well, for
1: that. On, on your point about. Pat Morita it's funny because you know our parents generation knows him as Arnold from Happy Days yeah. and, and that's a very uh comic booky type of over-the-top uh comic relief type of character you know the the diner owner or restaurant owner or whatever um so I'm sure when Word got around. Granted, this wasn't in the internet age that he was playing this type of character. People are like, "Really, Arnold from Happy Days is playing a, a karate master mentor and stuff." And but, you know, I I think because Miyagi is pretty funny, and it's it's a lot of it's subtle and stuff, but there is humor in Mister Miyagi that uh, that helps bring out the charm and 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 uh, a, a certain part of liking that character. And I, I think it served him well that uh, he; those were his roots, really, because, let, like you said, let the let the stunt guy do all the stuff. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like he wanted he, you know, he was nominated for his Oscar because of the scene where he's drunk and crying about, you know, his anniversary and stuff. And they wanted um,
0: to cut that from the movie,
1: which is yeah. Whoever tried to make that call, whoever stopped that from happening. Uh, made the wrong. I, I think it was basically. Um, heard... I think
0: it was everybody involved in the movie, like the director and the cast, wanted the scene. Not the writer.
1: What writers rarely want to have their have their stuff cut. So I'm sure he wasn't the one wanting it cut. But um, it could have been director because of flow. No, the or no the type of
0: John Appleton wanted the scene in the movie.
1: Oh okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So, I I think you know I think he was really good in the role, and it's it's funny like. <laughs> I think of. What do I like I think of Miyagi And what do I think of Like karate master uh, Something I need to learn Soon in a few years A master delegator of chores (laughs) uh, An ass kicker of teenage boys Mm. As we just covered And one hell of a father figure
0: Yeah not only that But watching the movie Like I said We both said We haven't seen this in a long time I just forgot how One of the traits they gave Uh Mr. Miyagi is how well he thinks on his feet like like how he goes to confront Kreese at the Cobra Kai dojo and it's going really badly and then he sees the poster on the wall and he's like he's like he says well we'll, we'll do it at the tournament and he, it's basically just doing it to buy time because he knows the guy's not gonna go for whatever he's offering so yeah and then there's the other seed which um it was, fu- it was funny like they tried to put this over when I was reading it like it was really hard to notice but it was like a pretty I thought it was really obvious it wasn't like in Ghostbusters with, with the signaling for the price at the at the first hotel job but like when uh, <laughs> when, when they're si- when they're registering for the tournament and the guy says what belt are you and he's like what does that matter? And he goes, well, you have to be a brown belt or higher to be in the tournament. He goes, oh, he's a black belt. And then he, like, looks over and he, and he fishes one out of the bag and he, or he signals for uh, Ali to grab the grab the black belt out of the bag. Right. And he just thinks of that all right on the spot. So it was like, oh, uh, that was a really, like, cool character trait that Mr. Miyagi had that maybe I didn't appreciate as much the first time I saw the movie or the first, you know, yeah. 20 times I saw the second half of the movie when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, and another thing um that i found out just through research um and then noticing again when i went back and watched the scene is when daniel's at the halloween party dressed as a shower and he's like a friend made it for me yeah uh that's from miyagi because yeah, in, in the you could see it, it in the background po- jack o lanterns yeah you see the curtain and all the stuff in the background he Like threw that together for him Now I don't know if there was a deleted scene Where he helped him with that And you know he's like here you can go as this It'll be funny or whatever But uh, I like that they don't really directly reference it But if you look close enough you know exactly who that friend was And that Daniel wasn't making it up uh, That you know Miyagi likely did help him Yeah uh, I uh, I did
0: notice that this time around That scene where they're talking and you could see it in the background. I'm like, oh, is that the shower costume? And then, like, if you yeah, think, when he's if you if you think about it, that's that costume's like goofy as hell. But then you have like a like oh, a man. mini makeout station, and it's like exactly that was that. And if, when you've got circa 1983 Elizabeth Shoe, that's handy.
1: I I, I couldn't agree more. And... That was a brilliant idea. I don't know if I don't know if Miyagi was thinking that far for Daniel, <laughs> um, but because it, it's on the surface, it's. It's the most ridiculous costume because of the surface area and you can't see where you're going and stuff like that. Uh, I get the idea that he was trying to hide. I don't know if Miyagi knew that he wanted to hide. I don't yeah. know about all that. Yeah, that was another but, detail
0: uh, that it woven it. He said, I wish I could go I could be invisible.
1: Right. And And I, I, I do so for our audience, if you're gonna rewatch after or you did the rewatch and you didn't notice it, it's the you can see it in the scene I believe when he's showing carving the jack o' lanterns and he's showing him uh, the jack-o'-lanterns that he make. you could see the red shower curtain and the pieces of metal and stuff in the background in his shop um, and maybe in other spots too but that that spot for sure but that's another you know cool little thing that they used subtlety to to push through and I don't know if that's you know editing choices and there was other scenes like we said I'm not positive but uh, another cool thing to show that you know, Miyagi was doing a lot for this kid more than, more than we realize. And that goes with the theme of like him training him and him learning this stuff without realizing it. And because of the chores and painting the fence and waxing the cars and all that stuff. And then, you know, the culmination of it, when he tries to get him to sort of get pissed off more or less, uh, is when he's having him defend all the blows, all the kicks, all the punches, all the slaps and stuff. And Uh, I just remember as a kid thinking that was so cool because it's that sort of long, like the long, slow burn payoff um, where sometimes I think, I don't know why I think this, but 80s movies don't do that and 80s movies didn't like nuance. It was just kind of like, bam, you're this, bam, you're that, Uh, maybe a two minute montage and now you know this. This was like throughout the whole movie and we're like, you know, as a kid, you're like, why the fuck is he? Yeah, I didn't say fuck cuz I was a kid. I was a good kid. But you're like, why is he having him do this? Why is he having him paint this fence? Why is he having him wax his car? Maybe a smarter little kid was like, "I get what he's doing here." But I was like, "Why isn't he teaching him karate, man? I, what is going on? Yeah. He's getting his ass kicked left and right. I, I think he for, doesn't need to wax cars."
0: I think for the for the viewer it was it was also, you know, for me, I'm always like trying to look at how people are trying to take advantage of other people, and there's a lot of, you know, bad Karate instructors out there that don't know what they're doing, you know the whole Rex Kwon Do thing, and you know that Daniel even says it. He's like, "You got me doing all your chores. You're treating me like a slave." (laughs) Like he didn't realize that the whole point was I don't know how Miyagi was taught because it was you know passed down from father to son. But maybe it was a similar way, like he was doing rudimentary tasks to build not just muscle memory, but kind of like yes, in right. endurance, like to learn how to de-
1: like manage pain. Because and also, is is it a big thing with martial arts like patience? Um, generally speaking, not yeah. True? I mean,
0: I'm not, I'm not, I'm by no means a martial arts expert. I've studied a few disciplines, but never more for more than a year.
1: Yeah, our audience needs to understand that too. That neither one of us are sitting here trying to pretend like we know what the fuck we're talking about.
0: Yeah, I mean, most most of what I know, like that, like what I was trying, what I was stumbling over the names and everything. Like most of what I know about Japanese culture, I learned from the movie Rising Sun and an episode of Danger Five. So, well, there you go. This definitely isn't some half-assed <laughs> pan-Asian
1: culture podcast. So let's right. get back to talking about the Karate Kid. We have to keep it real. Yeah. So, I I think also there's a you know. Definitely like Yoda, Luke Skywalker vibes. Uh, he's, te- he, you know, I think he's having him do those things to see if he has a breaking point or see if he's willing to see things through and, you know, trust him. I think that's a big thing between Miyagi's trying to earn Daniel's trust. And if he buys into his system and say like, yeah, you're going to do this and now go do this and do that, he's testing his patience. And for a 17 year old kid, that's like an impossible task. Task that Daniel conquered, and he probably saw something special in him through that too, um, which I think is a, a really big part of the movie. And um, once he finally, you know, th- that culminating point where he's defending again, fending off all of the attacks from Miyagi, he, it clicks in him like, oh my God, I learned this stuff without realizing it. And it's um, like you said, through the muscle memory and the repetition and all that, but also earning it through patience and, um, you know, doing things you don't necessarily want to do. Uh, and uh, I think that's those are like good lessons to sort of pass on to kids who um, could could watch this movie for for generations. Here we are talking about this movie thirty eight years later, um, for a reason.
0: Yeah, and it adds this whole dimension too about how, you know, they they introduced the fact that Miyagi lost his family, Daniel's father passed away, so they're kind Perfect of like fit. filling that role for each other. And it's like yeah. it's it's pretty yeah, you know, it's pretty touching at times. Like especially like when he gives them the yeah. car and like, um, and, oh, yeah, and all that stuff, but uh, like, one of the you know, you have to kind of strain, you know, you kind of got to suspend disbelief a little bit because he trains so quickly and he's able to train against these kids who have been practicing for years. And, um, but like, one of the things that I, I, that made it a little more believable to me was the fact, you know, he'd only been training with Miyagi for like two months or something, it was. You know the All Valley Tournament was like the week before Christmas, and this was all started happening around Halloween. So it was like a little under two months, I think. The reading I said said it was like forty eight days or forty nine days or something. But Mm -hmm. like when they do the when he shows up at the tournament, his first live action against an opponent that's not Mister Miyagi, like he keeps backing away and backing out of the ring, and the ref tells him that he has to like if he you know so that's a good point. It makes sense that he'd be that jittery because he'd never fought an actual opponent before
1: and also he gets his ass kicked in the tournament too he doesn't just show up and all of a sudden he's like you know cleaning house yeah he
0: had to run the cobra kai gauntlet he had to go through all of them
1: yeah that's the thing like they are they're all i don't know how the tournament was set up but those boys were all fresh and he's like having to fight everybody (laughs) um and they don't really show like you know they had other dojos there, but it's just like yeah, seat fillers pretty much, like uh, like the store brand cereals. Well, pa- just like,
0: <laughs> well part of the part of the mythos they expanded with Cobra Kai was the the character Daryl Vidal, who uh, John, who Johnny beats before he fights Daniel in the final, beat him in the tournament the year before, and he was actually the stunt double they used for the crane kick so and he helped. oh okay yeah, that's I, great you know, a that's lot of great a lot of uh nothing really went to waste in this movie like <laughs> you see this guy's like oh it's a throwaway character it's like no he probably helped with some of the stunt work choreography um you know that kind of thing uh one of the other like you know you, you're talking about the who's who of the, just these were things i noticed like i like i we, we try to keep it intellectually honest here and I did notice yeah. this stuff when I was re-watching it Like um, in the beginning The lady that he's talking to is Happy Gilmore's grandma Frances yeah, Bay Yeah, Frances Bay From, from yeah, where was she from? she was from? old then Yeah, she was old then And she was from Parsippany Didn't know his Uncle Louie Who then right, was right. used as a plot. She's to... also
1: the, uh, the old lady in Seinfeld Yeah with the, with the bread
0: Give it up you old bag
1: Shut up you old bag
0: <laughs> Oh that's it, that's it, the Marble Rye episode <laughs> um, For Revenge of the Nerds fans uh, Larry B. Scott who played Lamar Was one, was the black Cobra Kai student I don't think he had any lines But I definitely noticed him And then, I'm a big fan of Enter the Dragon I would like to do an Enter the Dragon episode Sometime down the road uh, I know that movie's kind of at the um, Top end of our old range But um, The ref in the movie was this dude named Pat Johnson. He was a he was a student of Chuck Norris's. He was a Tang Sudo student of Chuck mm-hmm. Norris's. And he was actually the choreographer for this movie and like staged the fights and everything. But I recognized him from Enter the Dragon. He was one of the thugs who confronts uh John Saxon's character. Like that was his reason to leave where he was I haven't seen that whole movie You've got to see *Enter the Dragon dude It's so good
1: I, I know I know My dad would always Try to get me to watch those I was too young And then I think I never revisited them Because I thought They were boring When I was little But I never gave them Their fair chance So I got to go back And check a lot of those out
0: Yeah and it's like The thing you mentioned About Chuck Norris It's because People thought That he was always Playing heroes but he did play villains early in his career. He was in this really terrible movie called Slaughter in San Francisco where he was a like crime boss. And then he was also the bad guy that Bruce Lee... Just that
1: movie's name, you can tell it's a bad movie. <laughs> dude. What, hey, what are we going to call this movie, Tom? You got the full script done, you don't have a title. Uh, how about Slaughter in San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, dude. And, uh, <laughs> and the Academy Award for Best Picture goes to... Slaughter in San Francisco, dude. To compound
0: how much worse it is, like I think Chuck Norris's character in the movie is named Chuck Slaughter or something. It's so-
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's like a Goodwill Hunting thing where his name is actually the title, and it's not uh, the words, the verb. Looks like Jesus slaughters Christ. in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Would <What'd> you? Hey- <laughs> Chuck, what'd you do to all these guys? I meed them. (laughs) Fucking idiot.
0: Oh, man. But uh, he was also the bad guy in um, Return of the Dragon, which is also called Way of the Dragon, where he fought uh, Bruce Lee in the Coliseum. I remember
1: that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and he had, like, jeans on. I remember that was a big thing. He was, like, fighting with jeans on.
0: I don't think he was. was I think he was fighting white karate pants. I
1: don't mean well, what's to... the, the, well then he was fighting somebody in, in like Robert Plant jeans I think
0: that was in the it, I, I think in Slaughter in San Francisco He was fighting the guy at the end He was wearing like jeans and no sh- he, Well he was wearing that sweater that Chuck Norris always wears But he wasn't wearing a shirt
1: Maybe Slaughter in San Francisco is my favorite movie That I don't remember seeing <laughs> Just uh, that, uh,
0: cue up the YouTube trailer Okay or, or we could throw that up for our for our fervent, devoted audience on our Twitter account at Just the Movies, or right, you know, Instagram, Just Like the Movies Pod. If you're not following us there, please follow us. Please spread the word. I know some of you are doing your part, especially people like uh, Andrew Schmidt. We should give him a job as our marketing manager or something. <laughs> He's always like retweeting us and suggesting us when. To random twitter accounts. yeah like.
1: there's a bunch yeah so there's a bunch of people that have been doing that on twitter and a lot of people interacting with us on instagram which is really cool because um, it's like you know you don't always find people who want to talk about some of these old movies so it's cool to see that but also um people subscribing we might as well get that out of the way now subscribing to the show on the audio podcast platforms uh spotify uh apple podcast amazon music pretty much all the major ones we are there if we aren't on one let us know we'll we'll get the show up on there for you but uh the show's free as you know by now so uh make sure you're subscribed so you uh get your episodes in but um yeah mike i yeah this I don't, karate kid like <clears throat> it, it is definitely a rocky ripoff in a sense um and you know there are a lot of parallels to it but it, it is its own thing and it, it definitely has more of the coming of age than rocky rocky's more of like the guy who's past his prime and does he have one more shot to like make something of his life right like that's true the young kid who's still trying to find who he is and you know they don't i don't know that they really explain this but so i had to google it maybe i missed it in the the jersey scenes but i guess the story is that his dad dies of cancer when he's two so it's not like one of those things where the dad ran off i believe um but he's still like you said searching for that father figure and he's got his mom who's been raising him his whole life, so he's got her strong presence, and um, that, that probably leads to sort of shaping who he is as a person, and uh, he, you know, yearning for that father figure, and then of course, like you said, the perfect fit, you have Miyagi who's alone on the other side of the aisle, and um, they they sort of found and helped each other, so um, very very good, uh, heartwarming, endearing aspect of the story, but uh, and then you get it, get into the mix, which is a big part of growing up, where you, you have to deal with bullies or deal with you know people who just don't like you and you know you don't like them and that sort of stuff, and that hits home too. Uh, you know, I I don't remember when I first watched this movie. I would say I was probably like six or seven or something like that, mm-hmm. and I probably didn't pick up on all of it, but I do I do remember watching it. I remember you know wishing I had that that yellow Ford and. Um, just uh, I remember cleaning, washing cars with my dad and pretending I was doing all the waxing motions and, uh, you know, painting with my mom and and, and trying to like pretend I was like Daniel. And I wanted to be Daniel LaRusso so bad. I think I even asked my mom for a karate outfit for a Halloween costume one year and I may have even gotten it. And I was just like all those characters in those 80 movies that, you know, the, the young kid or whatever, like we always wanted to be those kids. Like I wanted to be the, you know the kid who owned Gizmo and Gremlins I wanted to be all those kids through all, the, all those Movies and Daniel LaRusso was certainly on the list
0: Yeah for sure it was like w- Watching the movie now It's just it, It's pretty underrated how thoughtful The writing was like how they how they managed To connect everything and there were similar Themes and I, I don't Know if the, this was something I read And I don't know if it's like if it's just Something to kind of Synergize with the Cobra Kai show or not but William Zabka said that he wanted, he, he, as part of his backstory, he imagined Johnny Lawrence not having a father. like, yeah. And he looked to Crease as a father. Now, again, I don't know if that's something to make it fit with kind of his motivations that they established in the show, but it, it kind of makes sense. I was actually kind of surprised to hear that when he auditioned for the part, that he got so into being Johnny Lawrence that he grabbed John Avildsen and he like threw him in a director's chair and then, <laughs> he, and he apologized for it but i think that helped him get the part like that kind of intensity even though he didn't know karate he by this is his, these are his words he didn't know karate he didn't know how to ride a dirt bike which was like part of the script um well that
1: that that's a you know most bullies are <clears throat> like no like there are people who are just bad and they're born bad and they're destined to be bad but most bullies are people that had something happen to them and they turn all their aggression onto other people as a release for their hatred and, and their fears and and all that stuff. And so that makes a lot of sense that, that, that they would do that. They didn't need to necessarily explore it. Again, you know, the movie was about like a buck 40. If they tried to do that sort of thing where they walk the line and show us, you know, the antagonist's point of view that may have, stretched it too too much and 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 movies back then didn't really ever feel the need to show you the point of view of the quote-unquote villain you just they established them really well back then and that's really all you needed as a vehicle to help lift your protagonist um so but i like that now you know with cobra kai they are Exploring that And I think that um, That that actually makes The Karate Kid Even cooler to watch now I don't know if you felt that way Yeah
0: but, well, I mean we're always saying here What what are we What is one of our credos here Make villains dumb again Like and Yes dude, Yes
1: Make them evil and dumb I was yes. really
0: hard pressed To try to figure out Why John Kreese Was so dumb in this movie <laughs> Like It was like Why is this grown man Getting so wrapped up In this high school drama like he just, he was just right in it like i didn't yeah. i didn't understand what his motivation was other than it was just oh he's just this guy that doesn't like being messed with at all like anything
1: is th- it like um, cuz that was his business and his 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 livelihood is it sort of i you know i got to you know we have to win these tournaments so that i get more people to sign up so i make more money is it that? Is that all it is? I'm like, not, I'm not even talking they're... about the tournament part. I'm talking
0: about the part where like the the Cobra Kai kids were just bullying Daniel, and then when they show up in his dojo, and he's just such an ass about the whole thing. And you yeah. think that like most business owners would be a little more level headed and be like, "Well, let's let's go talk and see what." But like he was pissed off. At them. Oh, of it, course, he was pissed off <laughs> at them like interrupting his class. Like he didn't want him in there. Like, and then there's the whole like undercurrent which is tough to talk about, but Vietnam veterans, generally speaking, do not care for most Asian people because I don't, because they, it's the whole thing where there were, you know, yeah, they were fighting against the Vietnamese, but they were also fighting against the Chinese army in some instances. And a lot of times when you're that mired in hate, you don't really take the different, you don't really take the time to be like, well, this guy's Japanese, not Vietnamese. Or this guy this guy's from Okinawa, he's not Chinese, but it didn't really matter to him. It was more like yeah. he just kinda saw an Asian face, and maybe you know, as the show established that he had all this all this uh uh battle stress that he never really properly dealt with. And um Right. I mean that was one of the things that was so crazy was seeing the genesis of the Cobra Kai name. I was like, Oh man, that's where he got it from? Oh yeah. boy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they went they went all the way with that. Yeah, uh, that was surprising. Um, and for people, you know, our, some of our audience may not have watched Cobra Kai yet, and um, I, we're not like really spoiling much. But um, I, I I think we would both agree check it out because it definitely has elements of cheese to it, but it it certainly helps bring, in bringing back these characters. Um, and it's not like an SNL skit; like they really go for it in terms of how they how they're fleshing out all of these characters on the good and bad side and making you and and it helps enrich uh i i think watching the original movie and perhaps even the sequels but uh i i agree with you you know he, he's a classic villain um 80s movies are always known to take what would be a normal situation for a villain and elevating them to a fantastical version of that because like you, you make a great point mike like you walk into a dojo and 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 you're saying like your, your your kids in your class you know beat up our son and they'd be like oh my god you know i'm so sorry like i have a class now can you know can you come back and meet and we'll talk about it? like you're right like there would be that whole oh i'm gonna get sued i'm worried about you know what's going on he's like good kick your ass and it'll kick your ass again at the tournament you know it's just so. It's just so funny, and the, I feel that way watching Cobra Kai too. I'm like, they're so like. It's all about karate. It's like these karate gangs. It's like. It's like. It's crazy. It's it's absolutely nuts, but it works. It works inside the bubble. Of these movies and if you allow yourself to get lost in the bubble then it's fine um but yeah, cause, cause, and, and you know they, they had their little henchmen too like tommy where everyone who grew up watching the karate kid knows about this these throwaway lines from the kid in the background <laughs> screaming about the fucking body bags and if i if i just took away your your line for the end of the episode mike i apologize <laughs> I, I, I imagine that was in your holster but so i won't say the full line now for the sake of that but uh, you know that that's like it has all those guys like it's, it's your little henchman vert guys your lead guys johnny and he's the blonde kid and the good-looking kid and then you have like the fucking like palpatine who's like john crease mm. they have all the villains like and like evil and dumb like we say that on this podcast we want our villains evil and dumb sometimes we don't we don't need the nuance. We don't need the point of view. We don't need to understand why they're doing what they do or why they feel is justified. You just want a bad person, so that pro- when your protagonist gets them and, and defeats them, it feels you feel good. You feel like vindicated. You feel victorious. You feel like good one and that sort of stuff. And this movie absolutely delivers that, especially for us having watched it as as kids. Uh, I mean, who didn't practice the crane kick? I know I definitely did in my living, <laughs> my parents' living room and stuff, probably trying to kick a pillow. I don't think I, like, kicked my sister in the face or anything. I hope not. But um, yeah, I <laughs> if hope I did, I, apolog- I-, I apologize, Autumn. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, how about you? Did you, did you uh, try to, like, pretend you were Daniel LaRusso? Did you have a little karate outfit? Did you try to kick shit? Well, I mean, like- during that time, I was
0: actually doing martial arts, so I just did all my kicks in there. I was doing that, like, three times a week, so...
1: So i'm just a schmuck then no Sorry. i mean
0: you know then, like we would do we would spar at home like some yeah. of our friends and my brothers and i we, we had sparring equipment so we would like they do play it super fast and loose with the rules though it's like i was i couldn't even keep up with it it was like sometimes a hit to the face wasn't a point but then sometimes it was and like, they they kind of I couldn't either yeah they kind of do that on the show too it's like you just have to kind of just accept whatever the the announcer tells you that the just it's like the score is just gonna be tied when they want it to be tied and the next hit wins that's but right it like that like another thing it's 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 a stupid little thing but when they show the training it's always really rudimentary right it's like they're just doing punches like just straight punches and then. Like Daniel Larusso's in a tournament and then he hits Johnny Lawrence with a drop toe hold and then he hits him with a spinning backfist in the back of the head. It's like that's a really complicated move. Like when did he learn that?
1: <laughs> like Yeah, I think it was uh doing the dishes. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to
0: I'm trying to think of what kind of household chore you would learn a scissor trip from.
1: Like <laughs> opening up the ironing board? I don't know. Maybe I, I just yeah.
0: Open the ironing board. No, I don't know. It's a terrible accent. Um, I don't know. We did not talk about Young Elizabeth Shue enough. Hoochie mama.
1: Boiling the pasta. Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Shue. Uh, yeah. I. I. It's. It's just again. You know that. That brings back memories too. Being a little kid and just realizing like, yep, I like that. I don't know what is going on here, but I'm. I'm all in on that. Do you and, think? Uh,
0: do you think it would have been the same if Helen Hunt or Demi Moore were in
1: that role? Um, I think it would have been better if it was Demi Moore. Worse if it was Helen Hunt. No,
0: interesting. I, I like yeah. Elizabeth Shue right where she is, the way she portrayed the character, just loving the Sol Siege because who doesn't, right? Um, <laughs> there was that scene where she did that little back spring. I was like, oh, oh, god.
1: <laughs> she was um. She was studi- and she was like a, a good soccer player right Wasn't she, that her whole thing she, that's why they had her playing soccer She was a soccer player and then
0: she went into gymnastics Yeah just to you know Complete that whole I think
1: she she left Harvard to film this Yeah something? she like was she studying was, at uh,
0: Harvard and that's why she wasn't In the sequel because she didn't want to Drop she didn't want to like leave school again
1: <laughs> But then she's like oh Back to the future eh fuck
0: Harvard I guess, I guess so I mean She uh it's just fun. I didn't I, like because she has that that typical valley girl accent. So like she doesn't, you know. That's you know some people just don't sound like they're intelligent. But she was smart enough to go to Harvard, which I just it's like you can't judge a book by its cover, I guess. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I, got,
1: I have to watch Leaving Las Vegas again. I think.
0: <laughs> you oh <no>, you don't.
1: <laughs> Are we sure?
0: Uh, <laughs> I just I think that movie's really overrated. I don't know. All
1: right, I'll, I'll, I'll watch Cocktail then. How's that?
0: Nice. Oh, I I haven't seen that one in a hot minute. It's a good one. When was the last time Brian Brown was in something?
1: Uh, man, um, you got me, man. He was
0: was he in? The, he was in some movie where they wouldn't insure him because he was always doing stupid stuff. He was like the CEO of a company. He was like he was like. Oh, uh, that was along, on, along came Polly. Oh along yeah, came thank you. I thought that was it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, yeah. He played Leland. That's right. But that was, like, 18 years ago
0: Yeah, yeah, that was not, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman's been
1: dead for, like, 10 Which is, still, still sucks Yeah,
0: I'll tell you what, too I mean, like, watching this and watching Cobra Kai It was totally different because, you know, Pat Morita died back in, like, 05 But for some reason, yeah. him being dead makes everything more, like, it just hits a little harder like all his little lessons, and even especially on Cobra Kai, where they're doing the flashbacks, and you can tell that. I mean, in the mythos of the show, he died a little more recently, but it's like it's still like Daniel's not really over it.
1: No, yeah, and he, yeah, he honors him in such a way, you can just tell, and they do such a good job with that. You almost, it's almost like um, Machio tries to channel the teenage version of himself or well, early 20s version of himself. Like the Daniel that we meet in this movie He almost like has that Because sometimes when you think back on things Especially whether it's a thing Or a person or event That you never re-engaged with In reality for a long time Your mind goes back to How it was programmed then That's when Because that's when you recorded that memory Mm -hmm. So it's you know That's why nostalgia is a thing That's why You know these shows that Hit you with nostalgia and stuff, it tr- genuinely triggers something in your brain that takes you back to a simpler time for yourself. Um, and I, I, I believe that to be a hundred percent true. And that's why, like, when people go to Disney, they're like, "I feel like a kid again." It's like you, goddamn right, you do. Because when you smell the Pirates of the Caribbean ride or the popcorn down Main Street or anything, you're six again, and you don't have bills. And it's a <laughs> good, it's a, it's a good fucking feeling. I know I always say that because. We all have bills, so it's a relatable thing. But um, I, I do like you know seeing him reflect on uh, Miyagi in the show, and it is you're right. I agree with you 100 percent that the, you, you feel it. There's there's a huge thing missing there, but there's nothing they can do about it. Um, so they try to handle it as best they could. But uh, his his presence throughout all the Karate Kid movies is great. Um, but you know just being that we're focusing on this first movie, I love everything about Miyagi from. His like sort of, um, stoic, strong, calm presence, but also his sense of humor, his compassion for Daniel, his um, willingness to let Daniel dislike him, knowing that the lesson had to be a long lesson, uh, is probably a challenging thing Because at the same time You know this guy's a loner how, You know what's he in his In the movie I don't know how old he's supposed to be I assume relatively close to his age Which is like mid to late 50s Well I mean he fought in World um, War
0: 2 So he would have had to have been at least 50 But like he would have been at least in his late 50s
1: Yeah so we'll say late 50s or whatever he's, a lo- he's alone He's sort of a, a maintenance janitor type guy uh, he finally finds this kid that wants, that's interested in him, uh, as a mentor and that sort of thing. There has to be some sort of fears of like turning this kid away. Uh, but he's stuck, stuck with it. And, um, it all winds up working out that they, they don't really have a big falling out, you know, like, you know, in a lot of these movies, they have like, ah, screw you. I'm going to go try it in my own way and stuff. They, they touch on that a little bit, nothing too big. Um, but, and and I don't know if they they didn't want to get too contentious between the two of them I, I feel like don't you feel like like a lot of it was just like little spats there wasn't like the big one yeah right?
0: that well they saved that for the third one where they wrote Miyagi so it was just like he was being intentional it was almost like he was being obtuse on purpose like it, it seemed like a lot of the 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 drama between him and Daniel was really manufactured in that movie to separate them to drive the plot forward like in this movie it was it was a little more. Yeah, you know, like when you're a kid, especially when you're a you're a you're a teenage kid and you're just so- and you're a hot-headed teenage kid, like you- even if you have this kind of magnanimous father figure in your life, you're probably going to have disagreements with him. Yeah. I mean, if it was portrayed as this totally rose-colored glasses thing where everything was great, I don't think it would have been that realistic. I mean, we already had to kind of suspend disbelief for some <laughs> of the things that happened in this movie, but but, but not too much, but I mean,
1: no, it, it's it's pretty grounded, I would think. Aside from, like you said, maybe the, the quick path to, karate excellence. Unless unless
0: Miyagi down. Karate is that potent, like they always. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Star Wars, and I know you know Star Wars is your thing. So I we we try not to do it too much on this show, but there's like this weird thing, and I don't know when it started or whatever, but there was this weird thing where they tried to rationalize. They tried to like create different lightsaber Styles to try to Explain different characters and how they Fight and for some reason When I was all the talk About Miyagi karate being Defensive like That popped into my head about how supposedly That's how Obi-Wan fights like it's all Defense it's all (laughs) it's all Defense and and, like that's why he won the fight Like that's why he won all the fights He did in the movie and Then uh, but I only brought that up because it's like maybe because the Cobra Kai karate was just such a, it was just such an opposite style Bingo. to the Miyagi family karate that it was like almost the perfect antidote, even though it was like they were good fighters. It's not like they were bad fighters. Right. It was like when they did the same thing in both movies, it was like Daniel would be, or not both movies, but in one and three, like Daniel would do some technique and these experienced fighters would look at him like they like he was crazy and they had no idea how to move on him and that's like how like when you watch the crane kick scene at the end and it's got that perfect music going in the background it's building up to that crescendo and you see like like Johnny's confused and he doesn't know what to do cuz he's standing there on one leg and Crease is like finish him and he and he, and he, and he yeah. advances and he just gets kicked in the face
1: yeah and you know it's um I think it's also, it has to be a narrative uh, choice made on purpose because if Miyagi's style was the same as Cobra Kai's, which is, you know, attacking and striking and stuff, then they're no different. It's just like, I'm teaching you to attack someone. Um, I think they had to do that to show that it's, we're not fighting because we want to, we're fighting because we have to. And I think that helps separate, again, and aside from the personalities and the other human elements of it, that's another sort of fork in the road. And, you know, Cobra Kai does it this way. And, you know, we do it this way. And it doesn't mean, as they show in Cobra Kai, the show, it doesn't mean mine's necessarily better than yours, but this is why we learn this way and stuff like that. Um, Another thing to point out, you talk about the music at the end there. Again, a lot of parallels to the end of, you know, the Rocky fight, we're like you're going to do it. And they're fighting the punches, the, the horns, slow down and stuff. And it's cause the same guy, Bill Conti did the music for Rocky. It did the music for karate kid. So it, it's kind of like how my New York giants are fleecing the entire Buffalo bills coaching staff, <laughs> uh, because it works. Um, it's like karate kid was like, we're Rocky was low budget and very successful because people related to it. We are not going to have any shame and we're going to get as close to that as we possibly can in every way possible. And from directing to music, to the story, the underdog story, uh, all of that, it's a very, it's a cousin to Rocky without question. Um Whether, you know, that makes Stallone upset or not. Um, it's just, it's just true. And you know, eight years after Rocky came out and this was still during you know the rocky sequels being made and that sort of stuff um but so many similarities there and i did not know until the rewatch and looking deeper into this movie that um bill conti was the composer for both the karate kid and the rocky
0: movies yeah so. john allison directed it too we i think we covered that already but um yeah yeah it's,
1: exactly so it's 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 pretty pretty wild how how much closer it is than i thought because the first thing I always do with the movies, Mike, is re-watch them. And then I start getting into some more research to see what else I can fill in for my knowledge of it. And when I was re-watching it, I'm, like, I'm like, I can't believe how much this is like fucking Rocky. <laughs> Not knowing that it was the same director or same music. And, you know, music is a big deal in movies. You know, it, it is to me. Music affects me in movies more than the average person i think because you can take an average movie and give it great music and it'll have a bigger impact on me that's just how i've always been i think subconsciously as we watch karate kid there's a lot of similar you know every composer has their own style uh whether it's on purpose or not there's just inherent traits that they do a lot of patterns and that sort of stuff there's certain cadence and slowdowns and speed ups that Bill Conti does that you can be like, wow. When I listen to that, I'm sure there's a YouTube video maybe that compares stuff from Rocky to the Karate Kid, like it, it maybe like subconsciously makes you think of stuff from Rocky, and and you apply it to to this movie. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and it, it also it, during the um, the making of documentary, they talked about the scene where you know Daniel got basically his leg taken out and he's in the back and he doesn't want to continue and he wants to quit. But then he's, he doesn't want to quit because he's like, he doesn't think he can go on, but he also doesn't want these guys to get the best of them. So that Miyagi does that thing where he claps his hands together, rubs his hands together for heat. And the cast even talked about how on paper, that's pretty stupid. Like, but <laughs> when you combine it with their acting, and the music, like all of a sudden, it becomes a moment, like something that that reads really dumb on a page, becomes a moment when you combine it with performance <laughs> yeah. and music. And then, like, yeah, they did do they did take the piss out of it at the end of season one of Cobra Kai, which I thought was funny. did Dan- did they? Yeah, because Robbie gets hurt when he when he's fighting, he gets his shoulder kicked, and he and. Uh, <laughs> And Daniel comes back there and like is trying to give him a pep talk, and he's like, "My yeah, my shoulder's really hurt. I don't think I could go on." So then Daniel like claps his hands again, rubs him, and then he just goes, "Medic!" <laughs> <And then> he, <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, that movie that that's that show so does all this kind of stuff where it's like it's it's not disrespectful, but it's like they do these callbacks that are more realistic, and I guess you could call yeah. them
1: meta. I don't know. Well, then. Also, like when you watch a movie like Karate Kid, maybe more so in rewatches than your first watch of it. But like when you get you're that far into the movie where like you're 95 percent through and you get to that scene. If you're bought in on that movie and you're rooting for it in a sense where you're going to like you'll 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 sort of dismiss the things that are kind of ridiculous because you like it so much and you'll just root for it in a way. Like, that's how I am anyway when I watch these movies. Like, if I see, like, nitpicks, you know what I'm saying? Like, if there's a movie I love, I wouldn't be like, oh, that fucking scene just took me right out of the movie. I'd just be like, yeah, it happened. Who gives a shit, <laughs> you know? Like, I think at that point in the movie, it's like one of those things where if you're bought in on this story and these characters and this this movie, then, like, you're not, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, this is so stupid. But you can also, like you say, poke some fun at it um, without taking it too seriously.
0: Yeah, like the Karate Kid movies, like we were t- you were talking about how this doesn't do the whole give the villain's perspective cuz that's kind of a modern sensibility. I would say that's something yeah. that's come up more probably not even in the last decade, like five, last five or six years cuz I like I, I
1: was t- 2010s through Yeah, now, like cuz yeah.
0: the first big project I remember where they did that and this doesn't mean it was the first one, but the first one I remember was when they did that Maleficent movie with Angelina Jolie. It's like, oh, we have to do, we have to make the evil stepmother from was it Snow White? Or yeah, we have to make her. We have to show it from her point of view, like why she's evil and she actually has motivations and all that stuff. And yeah, you know, so when you so the 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 Karate Kid movies. And the whole Cobra Kai, they're all part of the quote unquote Miyagi verse. I found out that's a term that exists. But, um, <laughs> so thankfully it excludes the, uh, abortion with Jaden Smith in it, um, that I never saw because why would I? But, I, uh, did you see that?
1: Yeah, the, it, yeah well, no, I did yeah. not see that. But, um, didn't they, like, not even use karate in that movie? It was like kung fu. I'm not sure, man. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I heard that was a big complaint of it. Um, I just had no interest. I, you know, sometimes you know remake comes around. You are like, I'll check it out. That one, I had zero. Yeah, money.
0: apparently zero. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith don't have enough money, so their kids have to do movies too. I, I don't. Don't they partially produce Cobra Kai or something like that? Or Will Smith does? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I hope They'll not. Make anyway, but anyway, the whole reason I brought up the two the two different styles was because. You have a lot less subtlety in this how the villains are portrayed which I, I think serves the movie a little better but then in Cobra Kai it does get interesting to see ki- like kind of that other side of it but you can see the validity to both how there was just simpler times back then like even with the interaction that Daniel has with his neighbor when he first meets him. And it's like, they were talking for five minutes, and it's like, hey, we're going to the beach, do you want to come? Can you imagine something like that happening in a movie that was made, like, set in the present year? It's like, wait a minute, is this guy going to rape me, or is he going to harvest my organs, or is he going to rape my organs? Like, what does he want to do with me? Like, <laughs> so, like, you know, you get the, cha- the changing of the times, so to speak. Like, you know, I, I would, you know, it, one of the things that was interesting about the John Creese performance that I read... Was that Martin Cove was so, like he was getting jerked around a lot? I guess like they were t- they would tell him that his audition was going to be at this time, and then they would push it a week. It was like a hurry up and wait thing. Like they 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 like push it again, and then they would then they called him on really short notice, and he had to be the director and all this stuff. So he came into the audition all pissed off, and that's what got him the part. <laughs> Oof! Because I guess John Glover was playing Crease briefly. And, oh, wow. and for some unknown reason, they just dropped him from the production and recast him, and that's when Martin Cove got involved. Which, I mean, I'm trying to pick like I like John Glover is kind of a good villain, but I I don't know if I could picture him being like a martial arts teacher.
1: Uh, no, I'm sort of looking at his filmography now, and I don't see anything that would ring that bell for me. Um. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, he was the he was a really good bad guy in Payback, and the, but he was also in that Batman and Robin. Like he's always been like kind of a, like a secondary or tertiary villain. That's all I remember him as. In movies. yeah,
1: yeah, I see that. I, right,
0: there's something I'm missing though because I, I I think there's some audience like he was on something where he got like a pretty significant cult audience. It was like when Ray Wise was on that show Reaper, I think, and like no one knew who Ray Wise was except when he was Leon Nash and RoboCop, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I, I didn't know if you stumbled across that. Yeah, John Glover was originally. I couldn't d- dig up.
1: I didn't know. I didn't know yeah, that.
0: He was originally John Crease, and then they had, they they recast him kind of rapidly. Well, who, Martin Cove was amazing. Yeah, he really was. Like that whole. Just that whole like Tom Hardy kind of owes Martin Cove a little for his portrayal of Bane, I, always holding his I, vest. I,
1: yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I like that. I like that. Yeah, just like how he gets in their face and uh, his intensity, and he's very intimidating in that sense. Um, I, I, he was, I thought he was great. Like even it even holds up. Like sometimes, you know, you, you go back and watch these old movies where you think they're these massively intimidating villains and stuff and and they wind up being like Bennett in Commando and you're just like oh god <laughs> chainmail really dude jeez
0: dude the funny thing about Vernon Wells was he was actually he was actually in the special forces of the Australian military so that's fine he, but D- but it
1: doesn't translate
0: but by the, yeah it did because like by the time he did Commando he was like 50 pounds overweight he's dressed up like he was going to some like Fetish bar at like a, like a, he was going to like a leather bar for like a fetish party. He had even had like a choke chain. I read this really funny <laughs> thing on this one website. It said something about how the entire like West Hollywood should just be renamed Bennett because of how he <laughs> that movie.
1: By the way, um, a little brief research Will Smith is an executive producer of Cobra Kai because they had to get the rights from him because he. I guess purchased the intellectual property rights in order to make their version of Karate Kid in 2010. That's, hmm.
0: I, I I just don't like that for some reason. I don't know if it's based on anything rational, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't I don't, care I, I don't either,
1: cause To me, it's it's like it's like when the rich dad buys his son like a country <laughs> or something, like, <laughs> and it he's like, Dad, I want to be. I want, to be the, I want to be the Karate Kid It's like alright son we'll just buy the Karate Kid Yeah and we we'll we won't just
0: it... make a similar movie With Jackie Chan in it And just call it something else No it has to be the Karate Kid Even though it was like, I think it was set in China wasn't it
1: I don't but, know I didn't watch it But, but I mean but... the Karate
0: Kid franchise was already kind of going off the rails When they did the one with Hilary Swank in it and then, oh right, right, yep. I don't. Yeah, I remember next seeing, Karate Kid. Yeah, I remember seeing that when I was a kid, but I remember very little about it.
1: Is she still too big of a talent to show up in Cobra Kai? Because that's another one of those names people think they're going to bring her in, um, among others. Like they're, they're like, "Where's Dutch?" And I think they said something about like Dutch is in prison. Yeah, they they played think. up
0: the whole delinquent angle. I think that's just because Chad McQueen isn't really interested in doing it. Or I, uh, I don't I know you. because um I don't know if they would bring her back. I'm I'm more curious to see if they ever bring Mike Barnes back. He was the guy they brought in to fight him in three. Cause they brought Terry Silver oh, back. Okay. Yeah, true. Who was true? He was like really it was like I thought that was a pretty unappreciated character from the Karate Kid uh, franchise because
1: ready for me to blow our audience's mind about that guy?
0: What's up? He's from he's from your favorite city?
1: He- no, is he from Hartford? He's from Hartford, yeah. He is five months younger than Ralph Macchio. Yeah. Yep. That's fucking
0: crazy. Yeah, and the way I mean like, but when you're six five and you like people just think you're older. Like I read that somewhere. Like people just thought he was older than him because he was just so much bigger than him.
1: Yeah, and he just looked like a grown man where Ralph Macchio always had that kind of sort of like boyish kid look to him. And but so for yeah, so I know, you know, we're supposed to be talking about the first karate kid, but the the ponytailed villain in Karate Kid Three who has come back for Cobra Kai, that guy, as you're picturing him in your mind, you remember seeing Karate Kid Three, you're like, Oh yeah, it's okay, I guess. That guy is younger than Ralph Macchio. <laughs> Let that sink in, folks. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. That yeah, it is crazy. Almost as crazy as him being from Hartford. I, fucking hartford you'll always you'll find every way to possibly bring up hartford it's, it's...
0: the only way it would be better is if somehow they've managed a way to work hartford into the gold member that would have been incredible <laughs> i would have brought that scene up every chance i got until you terminated our
1: friendship oh people who are intolerant of other people's city of origins <laughs> and hartford <laughs> Oh, jeez And it's not that, you know, it was more of a bit shitting on Hartford, (laughs) but I remember so not wanting to go to Hartford so bad that I shit on it harder to deter you guys from wanting to go to Hartford.
0: And then, like, the next time I came into town, I was listening to one of the local radio stations and it was just talking about how there's a triple standing at Hartford. I'm like, oh, it's perfect.
1: (laughs) All right. If I made the Karate Kid. Daniel and his mother would leave Hartford to go to California. <laughs> to, to go not to, even Newark. <laughs> Newark is better than Hartford for w- some reason. Would they still? This... Would
0: they still go to the San Fernando Valley, or would they have been priced out of there by this point?
1: That's a good point. Probably priced out. You'd have
0: to send them. To, you'd probably have to send them to some other like some other sun drenched place that's a little more budget friendly. Probably like the almost the whole West Coast is out now.
1: Yeah, Austin, Texas would probably happen. Uh,
0: yeah, Austin, maybe, uh, maybe Fort Lauderdale.
1: Nash- yeah, Nashville. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, like, getting getting back on on the <laughs> the track here. Um, are, are there any scenes that um, when you like so? Well, first of all, when you rewatched in general, did you feel um, any different about the movie?
0: Oh, I, I felt a lot different, man. Like I like some of the stuff I already outlined, so I won't be as long winded about it as usual. But in um, general, yeah. What?
1: In general. Oh so yeah, especially. like
0: just the stuff with Mister Miyagi, like the like his like him offering his advice and like that just hit me a little different. Being older and you know. Uh, Did you know that he was nominated for an Oscar? Because I didn't. Um, I didn't until I was reading up for this. I mean, he didn't win. Isn't that fucking cool? It is very cool. Very very Jeez. cool. I mean that. The way that stuff went, and um, I don't know, like if I had to pick, I mean, it's kind of, it's not really a deep cut or anything, but my, I mean, my favorite seed was definitely when when he wins the tournament, like where he they build it up to, uh, it's like when you take everything into consideration, how he had to, he had to fight all of his bullies, and they were all beating him up, but he managed to win the fights, and then he's like, he's like half crippled. And then he does this move and like the the way the music kicked on. I mean, that was like, that was an iconic moment. You know, what about you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is that is definitely the best moment Mm -hmm. in the movie. Um, Again, the music swells Mm -hmm. and everything is perfect in that final moment. And then when he lands the kick and the celebration music kicks in and all the hugs start happening, um, you do feel... A tinge bad maybe for Johnny because of what he deals with after the fact, um, but just uh, I don't know. It, it's just like it's like Rocky at the end, you know, when you know he's looking for Adrian and not so much worrying about winning. He looks for, you know, Miyagi and Allie and and uh, uh, his mom on a in a lesser sense. That said, that was also a weird thing that his mom wasn't with him. It was <laughs> his his new girlfriend. Uh, which I guess you know, if a kid had to pick, you know, mom, I don't want you coming to this. I don't want to be embarrassed. I think she shows up but later, get... but it was that was yeah, I always, think she does. Yeah, that was always like kind think, of a yeah.
0: running in joke in the Karate Kid movies. Like they found some excuse for his mom not to be in the movie. Like in Karate Kid Three, yeah. it was because her, his uncle Louie got sick and she had to go back to New Jersey. And then I can't. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it was for two. I think in two. No, I think that was in two. I can't remember what it was in three. But they always came up with some excuse so she didn't have to be in the movie. So he could just hang out with Mr. Miyagi also. Right
1: so yeah it's funny Because (laughs) like when you look At the movie like you zoom Out and look at the movie on a small Sense you feel like she's really In the first half of the movie And almost like invisible for the second half Yeah and like because Miyagi's Presence takes over and maybe they were Trying to really Thin this movie out And um, Say like well if we're going to beef up Miyagi's presence as the parent figure here, we're gonna have to pull mom back a bit, uh, because the first half of the movie he's getting his ass kicked and she's like, you know, take off those sunglasses and all that stuff. Like you remember, like getting hurt as a kid and you didn't want your mom to find out, and it's like Ralphie with the the BB gun in Christmas Story. Like we all have those stories where like we got you know knocked in the face, got a black eye, something happened and you didn't want mom to find out because you felt like you were gonna get in trouble, all that stuff. And and she's all like classic mom stuff that we all remember as kids and then like second half the movie she's kind of like not there um and and i don't know if part of that is also because they're trying to show like daniel sort of coming into his own and he meets the girl and he's sort of trying to become like a, a young man so to speak and maybe mom's role does sort of naturally fade back a bit but either way um it is A little strange because you almost forget that he has a mom at the end of the movie because you're like, oh, there's the girl and there's his, you know, there's his father figure, Mr. Miyagi, and you're like, oh yeah, where's it? Where's where's mom? And he's getting into all these, uh... like,
0: yeah, his mom was supposed to get that computer job and then she ended up managing a Chinese restaurant and then he's getting into all these hijinks with (laughs) with Mr. Miyagi.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I don't know. And you know, another thing about this movie because you you know we we have to talk about quotes sometimes. I don't know that it's the most quotable movie. I, I feel like a lot of the memorable stuff are visual stuff more than quotes. Do you feel that way? Or do you feel like there's quotes that pop out? Yeah, to a
0: certain people? extent. I mean, people do abuse the wax on, wax off thing. and Or sweep the leg. Yeah, sweep, sweep the leg. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as the quotes go, I mean, it was just some of the stuff like Miyagi says is really funny. Like not like funny in its own way. Like when, when Daniel's like, these. oh man, these guys are... They're, they're gonna if I go to this tournament, they're gonna kill me. And he's just he's just drinking that tea. And he goes get killed anyway. Just drinks the tea. <laughs> <laughs> like the way he looked at things, it was always so. It's like that kind of it's that kind of perspective you don't have when you're a kid, and like or like even you know most adults don't have it. Like I don't think I I can like I always just get so wrapped up in stuff. It's like I could never just take that step back, and be like, well, it was gonna happen anyway, or be like that level headed about something, or realize. That the solution's not really as bad as you think, but,
1: but and like some of his metaphors, I don't think I got as a kid, so they flew over my head. And then I watch him as an adult. I'm like, you know, all right. Like, I just pulled one up here where Miyagi says, "Walk, le- walk left, safe. Walk right, safe. Walk in the middle, squished like a grape." Yeah, he's
0: basically saying, make a decision. You know, yeah. You can't. You can't half-ass something. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't even mean to say it that time uh, like, like, he, like if you're gonna do something <laughs> Just do it like don't be half in Half out that's the one right. I didn't Get was when he said karate's here And he points to his head and then to his heart And he's like but not here and he points to his gut It was like what does that mean I don't, yeah. I,
1: don't
0: I didn't get that one
1: Yeah well i mean, just like the, ease, ease back the metaphors a little bit to, speak, Everything's a Fucking riddle this guy, like this kid's, like begging for help, and he's teaching him literally in physical metaphors by having him do all his chores, and then he's hitting him with all these fucking little haikus and riddles and mm-hmm. shit. The kid's probably like, just, just let me know what I got to do to not get my ass kicked and and and, and get this girl, please. That's all I well, want.
0: Well, it's kind of one of those things where if you, you know, like I guess if you're trying to teach somebody something and you just tell them the answer, you're not really teaching them anything.
1: Oh, fine. Jesus Christ! See,
0: I just, I just did it to you, Zen. I just gave you, you, gave you an answer without having to give you an answer.
1: And and it's so weird that his first name is Mister. It's very (laughs)
0: interesting. Yeah, Yeah, there's a whole thing about how there's no consistency with his first name. Like they, (laughs) there was some you. There's an Easter egg from the second movie where there's a thing written in Japanese on the wall that has his name on it, but then the name was different. On his dog tags in the in the car, like it said his name was Hideo, and we, uh,
1: what is Miyagi stolen valor? Did he take? Is that what's going on here? I don't I don't think so. I don't think he, okay. I don't think he stole the Battle of Honor, but um, right. no. Well, they, uh, Google says it's Nariyoshi. Is his yeah? That was the name. one, one
0: they so that was the one they got off the that was the translation from Karate Kid Two, and then they put it on his tombstone in Cobra Kai. But then in another yeah. movie, they said his name was Kisuki.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, think, I see that as an alias. But I think that yeah. was in
0: the next Karate Kid, so I don't know how many people mm-hmm. saw that.
1: They're like, let's... It's like the 2016 Ghostbusters. Like They, they just released a, a trilogy set of Ghostbusters, and it's the Reitman movies. and Perfect. They don't uh, put in the SNL one. Um, did you see the new Ghostbusters, by the way? I did not. All right, well, one day you'll check it out. Sure. I'll get around to it. Um, all right. So, um, what else? What else can we get after? We're, we're at a buck 30. I, I don't know that we have too much to go here, but uh, I hate when we, like, there's things we miss that we probably should talk about. So, I just want to make sure that we covered all the important things here. Well, I think I think um, we covered
0: how appropriate. Well, I think, did we cover enough how hot Elizabeth's shoe is? Did we cover that? I mean,
1: we could probably spend another two minutes on that got, at least. I got a
0: balloon animal for you. <laughs> What about her bitch friend The one who was always like fucking That Yenta who was always get like getting up In Daniel's business I think her name was Susan Because of course it was Like oh yeah So she like kind of thought he was like full of shit Yeah and she was like I guess that Actress it was the only This was the only movie she ever did probably Because it was like people saw that, that audition reel It's like yeah I guess we don't We don't really need obnoxious Yenta for this That looks like she has to do weird shit to guys To get them to pay attention to her <laughs> Julie Fields Yeah,
1: with an eye Like Allie she... with an eye, but much less appealing yeah. So Julie Fields is now a photographer uh, And you can contact her to take photos of your babies and stuff Wow, found that quick We probably could have gotten her on the podcast and yelled at her about her character <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure she would have loved that Imagine I like I if I find a phone number. Imagine I try to call her right now while we're recording the podcast. What That'd be the doing? most Howard Stern thing possible. Doing fucking jerky
0: boys shit now.
1: <laughs> I'm like, hey, how you doing, you, asshole? You talk,
0: you talk to her like it's like like we're, you're not talking to her in real life. You're like, why were you <laughs> such a bitch to Daniel at the arcade? Like, did you think you I were helping it, him?
1: I have an email address. <laughs> I could email that to her right now if I was the total prick. Her price range is very high though for photography, so she's full of herself a little bit, I guess. I guess her photos look fine, but you know, a picture's a picture. I guess someone's paying it. As long as there's a little heat in there. I mean Mm -hmm. if she's charging if she's charging it,
0: somebody's paying
1: it. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Mm. Uh I need some I need some pictures of my baby. She's like, All right, uh where are you located? And I, you know, pick a location near her Mm. to, to, you know, take have her take the bait. I'm like, yeah, uh, I want my baby to look like a really shitty side character from an 80s movie. Can you help me with that?
0: Just this friend who's like a real busybody can never keep her mouth shut. Like, ever. You think you can figure that out for me? She's like,
1: fucking it's asshole. A- <laughs> Uh, but yeah. So t- to give her a plug, JulieFieldsPhoto.com. So good for you, for all of our listeners who want photos of your babies taken by a, a former cast member of The Karate Kid. <laughs> Susan's got you, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess
0: that's that's funny, dude. Oh my god. But I guess just to wrap up about the show, about the movie. You know, we talked about the Cobra Kai show a little, maybe a little too much. But I mean, the movie itself. Sleeper hit grossed I think it was 91 million I don't know what the budget was But it had to be pretty low Eight Eight? Yeah I mean I think you got a lot of movie For eight million dollars Even in I
1: I agree completely
0: Even in 1983 buddy Because you didn't really have Any big actors And then you had all these locations (laughs) And you were shooting in Los Angeles Which
1: They did a lot of filming Without closed sets too like they did live filming on streets and stuff uh, as I understand yeah I know it. that I, I know that
0: one scene the street wasn't closed so they were really dodging traffic
1: yes outside of I believe outside of the dojo yeah I don't know if that's right yeah and then, so uh, yeah that, that saves money right there yeah
0: um you know the director uh John Alvinson did a lot of camera work that went uh, like that I didn't really I didn't really catch this until I was doing reading and watching the making of and stuff but like like that tracking shot where he goes in the tournament and it pans around and it goes through the whole thing. And then it goes up and shows all the rings. Like that took forever to set up, and there were just camera crews everywhere. And then there was like the scene where he's talking to Miyagi and they just he decides to restrain it and just have it be like a static shot. So they did it in long takes. So it kinda had yep. both going on. Like it had a varied camera work for what the, you know, the scenes demanded. But anyway, the the movie Big Sleeper Hit, it was also the number one Movie rental of 1985 Which probably expl- It always seemed like We had a rental copy Of the Karate Kid around Not always But it was like It was it was there A couple times a year so Yeah My older brother Must have really liked it Like he must have been The one driving that bus Cause that's the only thing That makes sense Like age wise Um But
1: uh Oh Oh Michael What? Uh You'll find out shortly Um <laughs> I yeah rentals were a big thing my family did a lot of the um taping shit off of like sometimes tv with commercials to be honest but um uh you know every once in a while if my parents got like a free trial of an hbo or something they would try to you know record as many movies off that so we had we had a shit ton of vhs's in our house that you know, if you film it on the shittiest quality, you get eight hours on a VHS. You can throw like two, three movies in there. Uh-huh. So those little lines, it'd be like Karate Kid, RoboCop, <laughs> fucking Hamburger Hill or something like you know. Hamburger <laughs> Hill. You know, pl- pl- I didn't know. Yeah.
0: You, I didn't know you do that movie.
1: Oh, my dad uh, loves all those all those movies, man. Oh, you know? Okay. But yeah, Hamburger um, Hill was
0: rough. rough
1: yeah. Rough. Yeah. Um, yeah but uh, like and, and you know that that's another big part of like being a kid and thinking about that maybe we don't touch enough on on these movies because we always talk about when we first saw them whether it was in the theaters or whatever or, but just like the old movie collections that mom and dad had with the the white labels on the VHS and you knew it was a, a keeper if that little chip was taken out of the front of the VHS that you couldn't re- tape it over <laughs> um, so I know a lot of our audiences is, is probably connecting with that and if we have younger you know younger than us I mean we're not Old, old, obviously, but people younger than us are probably like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? DVDs are old, you know, but, um, yeah, but physical media, (laughs) what (laughs) exactly? Yeah. I, yeah. Every once in a while I'll still get a, a Blu-ray of something that I love. If I feel like, you know, the streaming service I have will punt it, um, but um like having the office on Netflix forever and now it's on Peacock like I'm not buying Peacock I'm like subscribing to fucking Peacock um, <laughs> I- but then y- there's other resources too uh, I can just send a text over to uh well we'll call him Pants and uh and away we go but as far as um karate kid I don't I don't have too much else I feel like we did a good job of talking about it without saying getting into like you know like i'm sure there's a podcast uh, not not to take shots at other podcasts or anything but i'm sure there's a podcast that spent you know 20 minutes on some of the more cliche things that but i think uh, i enjoyed this a lot because i learned a lot about the Karate kid i didn't i had no clue about and i always loved this movie so again one of those movies where i'm i'm happy we did it because i never would have known how close it was in ties to production of People involved with Rocky, uh, that Pat Morita was uh, nominated for an Oscar, Uh, the 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 making of stuff, the 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 rehearsal videos, Julie Fields, photographer extraordinaire, um, all of it, man, and and of course, how delightfully uh, hot and beautiful Elizabeth Shue was. Indeed, back in indeed,
0: and the movie is just so much better than the shitty video game that came with it. Where I just...
1: Yeah, I, I I don't I don't I I remember one, uh, trying to play that video game and not being good at it. And I remember one of the one of the levels was catching the flies with the chopsticks. Yeah, sticks. they they had some stuff. With... I was. I, were you good at it? I, no, I don't remember being good no, at that. No, that, oh, okay. that was
0: one of those Nintendo games that was just completely inscrutable to me. It was like the Top okay. Gun game. Like I could never. Yes, you could never land the plate on the carrier. Like I never figured out. How, it was like they would give you these commands. And they were like, but like, yeah the the Karate Kid game had they had all these mini games, and some of them were from the second movie. Like you could break ice blocks, and then you had to dodge. Yeah, the, right. You had to right, dodge the right. uh, net return and stuff like that. And it, but and then right. And then you were like, it was like kind of a side scroller fighting game, but the fighting was really bad. It was like it was kind of like that Friday the Thirteenth game that was really terrible too. It was like impossible to play.
1: And I remember there was either a karate or like a stock. Karate or Kung Fu game For Nintendo That was a little Probably similar Oh
0: no that, that Kung Fu game Is great Yeah that was an arcade game First And that's just That's just Five floors of action Just Beating up guys Maybe I'm
1: thinking Of something else Yeah that, Well, that t- well
0: you might be Thinking of Karate Champ That game was That might That a- game was really bad That was like where you That might have been it. You had a red guy A guy at a red gi And a guy at a white gi And you just Yeah Like you could jump over a guy And you'd be like You'd be Behind him, but you couldn't turn around But then you'd have to hit him with a back kick Maybe, is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, yeah and that, probably And, you, and you're and you blaming, don't blame Karate Kid for that Though, I don't think, that wasn't Karate Kid That was Data East's fault um, You know, we talked about <laughs> Cobra Kai a little bit I don't know when we're gonna do a podcast Outside of doing a movie But I think, I, I would really like To do a Cobra Kai podcast And then we could discuss if how much of its existence does it owe to How I Met Your Mother? Is it 100%? Is it 70%? What is? That's a great, it's, great point. It's definitely... Because yeah. I don't know what kind of interest there would have been if they didn't have that crazy... Because so many people were watching that show back then. And they had that that crazy subplot where Barney thought Johnny Lawrence was the hero. And then it's like all of a sudden, then five years later, we have a show that's basically that.
1: Yeah, and they were both in uh, one episode for, during uh, someone's bachelor party. Yeah, like they, they might were have both in, Barney's bachelor party.
0: And then they, then he was in another episode where, like the the, the running bit was, there was a guy that n- only knew him from his poetry. He did He had no idea he was <laughs> in the Karate Kid.
1: <laughs> oh, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah. Um. So, any final thoughts? Were you good? No, man.
0: Let's. Uh, I think we covered just about everything. Um. Well, everything I want to cover, anyway, or thought to cover. I mean, I even got into like the local geography of Southern California. So that's like you know taking it a little. But so why don't why don't you uh why don't you? It sounds like you're you're trying you're gonna you're gonna bushwhack me with something. So let's let's see what we're doing next and like Uh, (laughs) and how how it's gonna go because now I'm a little nervous.
1: we're, well you sort of made a reference to it Which is funny because I was not sure Where I was going to go And uh, I did open the dock Midway through the pod to, to make my final decision And you made the decision for me I was leaning towards this but you said it And you say and you said something about uh, Getting back on the bus Or driving the bus So we're staying in LA uh, We're going to the 1990s And we're doing speed Wow Wow, that's, wow. Got that's what you got out of that, huh? That's funny.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was fate, man. It was fate. Speed, okay. All right. <laughs> don't get dead. First Dennis Hopper but, movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't uh, think we're ever gonna
0: do Blue Velvet or Super Mario Brothers. So,
1: not our first uh, Keanu Reeves movie, though. It is so we're not. building up quite the. We're building up quite the catalog here on just like the movies. But what do you think? You you uh you vibe in that pick? Oh my Where God. dude,
0: I watched Speed. when I lived when I was like in 6th or 7th grade, we had a VHS copy of Speed. I probably watched that movie once a week for like a year and a half.
1: That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. My, my 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 wife's not a big movie fan in general. She like she likes movies, but she's not like nuts like you and I are. She loves Speed. So, um, lots lots of like awesome. Lots to like There is a lot to like uh, My personal introduction is Sandy Bullock um, So I'm, I'm excited to talk yeah, about I this don't,
0: but Yeah I don't want to get into too much material But I mean Jan Debont The director of Speed He was the He cut his teeth being the cinematographer on Die Hard
1: Yeah and you can tell There's there's a lot of vibe A lot of vibe there um, Alright well Mike I look forward to doing that with you For sure uh, On our in, in two weeks time But we hope everyone enjoyed this episode Of Just Like the Movies Like we said before Make sure you do subscribe to the show It's free So whether it's Spotify, Apple, anywhere else If they do have a rating system Like Spotify and Apple do Please toss us five stars That helps us come up in searches Because uh, there's like There's a few movie podcasts out there So we'd like to <laughs> just you know, a few. Show up in some of your Yes yeah, so, Just a few So we'd like to show up in your searches uh, If possible Also spread the word Tell a friend Share a link If you uh, Even if you know you're one of those listeners who's like yeah i like some of the movies they do some of that send them a link to one of the ones you like whether it was gladiator whether maybe it's austin powers maybe it's batman maybe it's ghostbusters which was actually it's our, our highest viewed episode was ghostbusters so far so i thought that was pretty cool but um either way just thank you uh on behalf of me and mike we really appreciate it very much for everyone who's been supporting us this has been a lot of fun i really had a good time doing this one mike so karate kid was a great pick so thank you for that uh, i had a blast buddy yeah
0: me too man Thanks for uh, thanks for supporting me too, like always.
1: Uh, that's what that's what boys are for. <laughs> We're in our own little dojo here, at just like the movies. We, we we should get custom geese made with our our logo, or if we make a new logo. Uh, and I'll bring my, I'll break out my white belt that I apparently didn't earn. But anyway, this is where you start. That's where I, that's, that's where I finished too. <laughs> uh, that's why they invent baseball bats. I got but a anyway. blue belt once. Oh, yeah.
0: I had a blue one. I, like I had an orange one, too, and a different one.
1: Nice. I have a black belt from Coles that if you reverse it, it's a brown belt. So it's nice. I have one like that, too, but it's gray on the other side. Ooh. Well done. We'll talk high fashion next time. <laughs> Hot, but high fashion. Thanks, to everybody. Again, uh, yeah, we're going to hit you up with Speed. So go rewatch Speed. Uh, I'm really excited for that one. So uh, until next time from me and Mike here at Just Like the Movies. Be kind, rewind, relax, and see you right. Different, let's say.